the volume. Hey guys, it's the Sessions presented by FanDuel. It might be cold, but the sports calendar is heating up, baby, and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is safe, secure, and so, so easy to use. FanDuel always has exclusive offers, boosts, and more. And when you win, you're gonna get paid real fast. FanDuel has lots of ways to play, like with the spread, money line, over, under, team totals, player props, and so much more. You can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. And you can combine multiple bets from the same game in a same game parlay to try out the same game parlay plus. Get in on that. And... FanDuel is now live in Maryland, y'all. So use the promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. Disclaimer, 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Minneapolis, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org for Maryland. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com for Kansas. 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. How is it going? Um, I just had a CBD tea right before I started recording this. So my whole body feels very relaxed. Like I just had um, a massage. I'm very mellow right now. And to be completely honest, I'm a little bit of a dum-dum right now. I am on my one, two, three, four, five. This is my seventh time trying to record the intro to the show. Oh my God, the other ones were terrible. I'm not saying this one's going to be good. It's not going to be good, Um, but it's going to be better than the previous six. So let's ride this one out. Okay, so my guest today is Brian Myers from Impact Wrestling. Uh, If you know him from his time in WWE as Kurt Hawkins, the guy has been there, done. He's been in the business such a long time um, from the experience that he has from, you know, day one, getting signed to a contract to leaving WWE and going to TNA and working the independence, coming back to WWE, then, you know, leaving WWE and Impact is is up and running and thriving. He's got his own wrestling school and create a pro uh, pro wrestling guys like MJF, uh, Max Caster, Chris Statlander, all coming out of the the school of uh, create a pro, which is awesome. Uh, but what I really loved about this conversation was um, was Brian's sort of perspective on all of professional wrestling. He's seen it all. We it's funny we like had this. You'll hear it, but we had this whole conversation just about like the different generations and whatnot. And yeah, I just think his perspective on everything is is really crystal clear. The guy, uh, the guy's great. Let's get into it. I'm just gonna I'm gonna toss it over to the interview now, so I don't screw up this intro and have to redo another one. So, guys, without further ado, here is my guy, Brian Myers. I've never called you Brian Myers out loud until right now. Yeah, weird, right? How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on. What's going on in your world? You're a busy guy, huh? Super busy, yeah, which is a good thing in pro wrestling. But uh, yeah, crazy busy. Too busy. 
rattle off some of the things because I mean, yeah, I mean, just going through your your bio, your history, the things that you're doing now um, between being in the ring, outside the ring. I mean, you are booked and busy, baby. First and foremost, I'm happily married and uh, the father of two insane little girls that I love to death. So that is uh, job number one that keeps me very much on my toes. But as far as pro wrestling, the Major Wrestling Figure podcast, which has just grown into something absolutely unbelievable, uh, full time with Impact Wrestling, as well as you know my independent wrestling dates and signings and things like that. And I'm the uh, co-head trainer of Creative Pro Wrestling Academy, where I'm training guys. And uh, yeah, so it just it never ends. Okay, so starting off with what you started off with being happily married with kids, how do you book your own schedule to make time for all of the things, to be in all of the places? I feel like I'm still figuring this all out, so teach me. Well, I'm Take not, me under your I'm learning not, tree. I'm not saying what I do is perfect by any means. <laughs> and it, 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 No, but what works for you? It never will be. You know, I mean, I literally an hour ago realized that I can't go to like a wedding with my wife this summer because I have an impact wrestling date, you know? So, but that's part of the biz, you know? What is the communication like between you and your wife for her to know where you're going to be? And how do you guys do that? Because God, sometimes we hit roadblocks. I'm like, are you kidding me? How did I not know you had to leave to go do this thing? This I do have advice on, and this is all credit to my wife. She's amazing. She made a mutual calendar. So when I can link something on our phones, since my post WWE career, we've had this now this system where before, like you said, just roadblock after roadblock when you don't know. Yeah. But now I literally know and I put something <laughs> in, she's seeing it too. So she doesn't even ask me like, hey, what are you doing Saturday? Oh no, I know you have a signing in Philly. You know, we don't have yeah, as much smart. You know, miscommunications anymore. Yeah. So that, that was a big game changer. And I'm a technology idiot. So that was all her and her idea. I didn't even know that was a thing that you could do. Okay, so see, that's what I need to do because I put everything I do in my phone because like my own schedule is insane. And then adding in John's schedule to that. Yes, sometimes I'm like, oh my God, what is going on right now? It's one click. I just hit Brian and Liz and then it goes to the... (laughs) Okay, I'm going to be messaging your wife and go, how did you do this? Can you give me some kind of like database in order to like structure all of these things? So that's been a big game changer. But like I said, I'm going to miss this wedding because I have wrestling and that's just part of the lifestyle you know you know we reap so many rewards for what we do but then there's things like that that you know i would say a civilian doesn't really run into problems like that as much that's the give and take of the business you know and um i think my thing is i kind of over deliver when i am home you know which my my wife probably doesn't you know appreciate that much but it's like oh you took the girls out you guys you bought them whatever they wanted and ice cream and you know hey dad do just, what you gotta do is what it is am, yeah. um okay two things one what is the most important thing that you have missed due to being a professional wrestler for the past god however many years um i don't th- <laughs> i don't know I'm not sure if I've like been around for one actual anniversary. A lot of our lives is celebrating things not on the actual date that they are. Yeah, I think I've missed a several birthdays. And the girls are little enough that I, you know, if I'm there for the party because we've planned that months ahead and we know, you know, things like that. But the actual physical day that would be their birthday or, or a lot of our anniversaries, I've, I've certainly missed a ton. And I missed a ton of fr- like good friends' weddings and things like that or the ones that like I've feel exceptionally bad about is if I miss like a funeral or something that I should probably be at and that's like way out of my hands you know something unexpected like that I feel like I kick myself a lot in hindsight now and I think 
as my life changes of being married, having my own daughter, those things that like when my friends were all doing that far before I was, I was like, okay, cool. And like admiring it from a distance and now realizing to me how important all those things are. I'm like, oh my God, what a piece of shit that I missed these weddings and I missed these birthdays. And like, yeah, they just, they didn't like quite hit the radar the same way that it does now. And now I have like this like burning um, guilt that is hard to shake off. Becoming a parent changes you in an epic way that, like you're kind of saying, is unexplainable to people that aren't there yet. And then once you know, you know, and it's just one of those things. It's just, it's absolutely life-changing. Like, I was the guy on a flight before I had a kid with a baby's crying. I'm like, man, shut the, someone shut this baby up. Now I'm like, there's a baby crying. Like, right, what, what should we do? Like, I'm like, you know, it know. just changes everything about you as a person, you know? I know. When I'm traveling without Nora now and I see, like, a little girl near port, a little boy, whatever. And then especially if you see, like, a solo parent traveling, I'm like, oh, I like just struggling. salute yeah. you. I oh, see you. Yeah. Yeah, it is not crazy. easy. Everyone's, like, already stressed sweating before they get on that flight. Um, okay, my second question to you is because you've been a professional wrestler for so long, your body has been put through the ringer. How is it getting down on the ground and playing with your kids and keeping that energy up? How do you it, do that? Hard. That is hard. That is hard. Especially <laughs> yeah. my kids are five and a half and two and a half and they're like full of energy. And, uh, you know, my, my two-year-old idolizes my five-year-old, wants to do whatever she wants to do. And she she's excelled so much faster and quicker and things like that. Um but it's a blast. You know, I try like I just try to live in the moment when I'm home because I am away so much, you know. So when they ask me to play with their Barbie dream house I'm staring at over here, you know, I <laughs> I do. Yeah. Buckle up. Do what you got to yeah. do. Well, let's talk about your career now. Um, you obviously have a ton of success working with Impact, all the things you've rattled off from the podcast. And we'll get into that stuff, too. Um, obviously, a very different time in wrestling now as opposed to when you left WWE before. And you were still working the Andes. You were out there doing TNA like you were out still busy doing things. But the business has still changed a lot in those got almost 10 years. How is the business different? And how is your career different now? It's certainly uh, different. I, I kind of said this to someone the other day in an interview, like, you know, there's the 80s rock and wrestling and the Attitude Era, and we're living in something right now. It doesn't have a name yeah, yet. Yeah. What would <laughs> you, know, you name it? What would you name this know. version? Uh, the Tony Khan era. I don't know. Because uh, <laughs> he's, he's, he's pretty much to thank, I think, for you know, sure. all the jobs and opportunities, you know, that weren't there before that, you know, it was a monopoly. So uh, it's definitely fun and it's something. Um I think through the podcast, Matt and I have, Matt Cardona and I, we've really found like kind of a cheat code to the business because we really work for ourselves now and we don't have to be employed by anyone to get by, like certainly not at all anymore. And that's, does, we don't have to like beg for things and it's, it's a big difference. You know, it makes a really big difference when you're in that position of power. It's unbelievable to me that like I could break my leg tomorrow and still make a hell of a living just talking about talking about wrestling toys which i love you know it's like still doing still doing what i love so it's it's a very very uh fortunate position to be in and it's just kind of cool how it all played out like this was there ever a time in your career and you've been doing this for such a long time when those opportunities weren't around and there wasn't i don't want to call it like a safety net because it's not that it's a safety net the world has just changed and these opportunities have changed would there have ever been a moment earlier on in your career where you would have been like maybe this isn't for me for longevity purposes no actually it's crazy i just um well one i i think that's a negative mindset if you really want to do something to have like sure and i know it's terrible advice to some people you no know, but i've to, always been like to that go to too, college right? and this and that yeah. and i was like dude my mom and i we were my mom and i were talking about the other day i was like 
you know, I'd be like, I don't care about this. I don't, what I want to do, I don't need school. And I'm just in that situation. Like, I know that's important to people in life and stuff, but I'm, I'm pretty sure like I'm going to do this and that, that it is what it is. It all worked out for some reason. I've, I, there was yeah. definitely lean years in my, my first WWE firing and where wrestling wasn't thriving like it is now, you know, where I was like, man, should I start like Ubering during the weekdays or something? <laughs> you know, but like then, then Mark Carano called and rehired me just when it was getting a little <laughs> iffy, you know what I mean? So I've just had- Get that 203 had, number, had, pop up yeah, on your I've phone. Had that, you know, kind of dumb Irish luck my whole life beyond wrestling. I agree with you to that point. I remember like got early on in my career, I was reading this book from a Janis Joplin book. And there was this quote about that too, about like not having a fallback plan because you will fall back on it. And that like really stuck with me um, that I was just like, nope, I'm going to stay the course. And you, you just find a way. That has been like another thing, I think, almost to what this generation is as well, too, is like finding those other ways, finding those other avenues, whether it's doing indie bookings and doing signings. And that's always existed. It's just such a different vibe than it is now i think matt kind of started that in wrestling and doesn't really get his full credit for it you know what i mean yeah agreed i do feel like there's a a big group of people that really see what matt has been able to do especially in like his exit from wwe and all the amazing things he's been able to do to really turn people's heads i do think he gets those accolades but yeah not even to the degree that he does but he he started 11 years ago this his YouTube show that was like you know unthinkable to do something like that and make it work you know your relationship with Matt what were the early days of like what was the first meeting of you and Matt not exactly like stepbrothers you know when stepbrothers like you have to call me Red Dragon or whatever you know what I mean like because <laughs> yeah we were the same exact height the same exact build we had the same stupid little Abercrombie and Fitch haircut like shout out to Abercrombie making a comeback everybody <laughs> apparently yeah <laughs> and and we were at this wrestling school and he says it this way too. And I, I say too, like, I don't think a lot of people are like, man, I'm going to be the best tag team wrestler in the world. Like from day one, I think that's something you fall in love with when you get into the business, you know, you admire it, but I don't think that's like your goal because you're a person, you know, so you don't automatically think to be a tag team champion. So like we're both at this wrestling school only like a couple months in, we're staring at each other. Like this guy's my competition. We're the exact same. Like this isn't good. And we had, we both had the same mindset. People were saying, well, you guys look alike. You should be a team. And we're both thinking like, that's not what we want to do. And we we're very, very standoffish with each other. And Matt, you know, Matt, he's not, he's pretty rude naturally anyway. You know what I mean? Like he's pretty, not exactly a people he person. He can just have a bit of a rude face even without meaning to. Like it's not a resting bitch face. It's like something is close. It's, close. Yeah. <laughs> it's in and around yeah. that neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. And he can be like, you know, very firm with his responses and th- I don't know. So it was like, Jesus. And then it really was wrestling figures that like broke the ice between us to make us like these great friends because back then you know 2003 you're not gonna like just go to wrestling school and tell these guys you collect wrestling figures or play with them or anything it was like beyond something you wouldn't do to like even like a grizzled indie veteran much less you know we eventually get signed and we're in the WWE locker room with Undertaker and Bob Holly you think we're gonna tell them that we collect wrestling figures like we'd be beaten to death you know so um that really was the thing that broke the ice between us you know to cement our friendship for years and years I feel like if I were to close my eyes right now, like you guys even sound, I mean, I know that happens when you've been friends with someone for such a long time. You guys have like the same cadence yeah. and everything. He, he's got the deeper Long Island, like Italian accent <laughs> than me. No, you have like, a, you have a little something, something going on too. I can't put my finger on it, but there's a few times I'm like, oh yeah, you guys even sound, sound. Like, Certain words yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So for you guys to be able to build your careers together, um, what was it like coming in to work with Edge? 
those like early days of like those edgehead days, everything that went on there again with you guys being such big fans and then to be put with somebody like Edge, what what were like those early conversations you guys were having with each other and like pitch wise? So literally we're 22 and we're on the main roster. Whatever plans they had for us never happened. And so there was no plans for us and we were just drowning like 22 year old kids in a man's <laughs> world. Like we were all we're going to work with men and we're not men yet. We're just idiots and like just drowning on the main roster, like nothing for us to do floundering. And we thought this up in the car one night. Edge was a hello and goodbye guy to us at the time. You know, that, that was our whole relationship. See him in catering, say hello. And at the end of the night, you see him, you say goodbye. That was about it. And I was like, okay, well, what if we tell him about this idea? So we garnished the courage to go up to him and say, hey, we have this idea. And he said, and it, you would think back on it, like, maybe this is the ultimate, like, blow off. He's like, here's my email. Email it to me. <laughs> okay. So then I was like, okay, either way, he's like this respected veteran. I said I was going to do something. I got to do it now. So like we crafted this email. I sent it to him. And then like it worked. He read it and loved it. And that got the ball rolling, you know, and it made it all happen. And like what I think really made it work so much is because it was real. Because Matt and I were like truly just big fans of his. And we were green as hell and like truly learning from him, watching him. And I've said this a million times. In 2008, he's the best wrestler in the world. He's he's the WWE champion, the top guy. He works the main event of the live events, all the pay per views, and we were, we couldn't have had a better seat to watch him do it. You know, so it was this invaluable experience that I think, and Matt, I'm sure will tell you too, like shaped our whole careers. You know, because it was like a insane zero to sixty thing. You know what I mean? So, what were some of the things that you did learn from Edge that you kind of keep with you today? the slowing down aspect of wrestling that's very hard for people and you know I see with my students and anyone you're just so new and excited and the the idea of doing nothing is scary you feel like you just need to constantly be doing something and that's not the case at all you know it's better to let things breathe and play out and it's it's hard to control your emotions and your excitement to do things like that you know you mentioned being like 22 and being like a kid in a man's world and I feel now being 37, dun, dun, dun. Like John and I were out of the Bengals game the other week. And I'm like, oh my God, like Joe Burrow is 25 years I hate old. That. Like, in isn't sport. it I'm a big sports crazy? fan, so I hate thinking like, yeah. That's what I was going to ask you. I mean, I know you're a big Mets guy, but like when you see these guys and you look up like their, their like birth year, it's like, oh my God, like these are boys in this like man's world. And it's so crazy that like, I feel like in wrestling, it's nice. I mean, you get more of that maturation process I guess to a degree that a lot of times you don't really hit your stride until you're in like your mid-30s where like other sports it's it's not always like that you really got it like by 25 26 you're in like your prime years baseball you could be retired by like 33 it's like what do you do with the rest of your life yeah but as to what you're saying people are always surprised they'll like they'll talk sports with me and then they'll they'll get into like college sports and I do not follow college sports at all like I have no interest in it and they'll like be like what why and I'm like well, to be honest, I know what immature dipshit I was in college, so like, I don't want to be watching these guys on a Saturday. Like, I'm just thinking that the whole time. Like, these guys are thinking about doing keg stands and shit. They don't care. Like, totally. It's hard, it's hard for me to get into. I know. I think that sometimes I'm like going to like interview some of these like Bengals players. But even like at AEW, it's got a very young roster. And I'm like, oh, my God, I feel so ancient right now that like there are these like kids that just have like the world ahead of them and like. They have these big adult responsibilities. It's it's really crazy. How did you feel like that? I mean, I know you talk, you know, you've said by being a kid in like a man's world, but having those responsibilities pretty early on in life, like getting paid a decent amount of money and traveling the world, like how did you like manage all that? It, it was tough. It was like, 
give and go type thing. But like uh, Matt and I were always very respectful because we're such fans, you know, I think that ha- that helped. But it was also we couldn't show that side and we knew enough to not to do that and just to be respectful with everybody. And honestly, in WWE at that, that point, you're just you're trying to avoid heat. You know what I mean? You're trying to avoid <laughs> yeah. pissing someone off yeah. that's going to tell someone and it's going to trickle and the heat grows. You know, that's like the thing, you know, we knew back then what would get us heat at work. And we just avoided it. I think that was like the best thing we did. But but we did have to learn quick. You know, we're renting cars and doing all this stuff and travel like crazy stuff that other kids my age were not doing for sure. Do you feel like that has changed a lot now? What it's, do you? It, it, might, it might have changed too much. <laughs> it's changed too a much. lot. It That's one of the things. Like yeah. yeah, I mean, just looking at like. I mean, yeah, everything you've been able to do and to be able to see having your own wrestling school, you're teaching the new generation. What are you seeing from this generation that's so like, different? Just too much entitlement. Too much entitlement. Where does that come from? What I don't know is because that? I'm 37 now and I'm not 22, so I don't know. But like what I had, maybe a little too deep. What it is now, too deep the other way. We need something to the middle because the entitlement that people have in the business nowadays is, is wild to me. I mean, the story is. I don't know if it ages well, but like when we first got called up, you're not even allowed in the locker room. So Matt, Matt and I, ch- our main roster talent, but we changed with extras in every building for at least the first three months. And then we had to like go up to Chris Benoit as the locker room leader and be like, sir, we've been on the main roster a couple of months now. We were like, no, if it's OK, if we could, you know, change with the boys. But that was a big moment for you guys, I'm sure. Yeah, to that's like, why I remember it so clear. But exactly. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if it needs to be like that extreme. You know, but you do need to have some kind of respect where like but now somebody new, somebody new starts and they, they throw the <laughs> shit all around the locker room. It's like they own it. You know, I mean, it's a big difference. Then let's find the happy medium. That's all I'm saying. OK, you can say that that is extreme to like not change in the locker room, ask permission to get in that locker room. But it is that rite of passage. And like, did anything bad really happen from like not being in the locker room? It just kind of like puts you in your place. I'm sure some other shit maybe got went down. But Yeah, but you it makes you realize how low on the totem pole you are, right? You can't even change with the boys. It really is crazy to see. And like, I keep trying to like kind of put my finger on it too, where it's like, God, does everyone just feel like they deserve television time and they deserve to have 20 minute matches? Like there was times when I, I felt this, I don't know if it's necessarily true, but when I was doing like the losing streak in WWE, I felt like people thought like these people that didn't love the business or care about maybe like football player developmental people would think like I sucked because I lost all the time. Not that I was playing this character that did that and it was entertaining, you know, like that part is like a little, you know. (laughs) How do we scale it back? What needs to happen to scale things back? Because it really is so far the other way where it's got to come from up top. You know, it's got to come from management or top, top locker room guys, you know. Right. I know. It's like I I always say I love the quote that the first guy through the wall is the one who gets a little bloody. You know, I mean, the first one to say, hey, you kids are being a bunch of assholes. Let's tone it down, you know. No, for sure. And like, I don't know if it's like, as I keep trying to like kind of put my own finger on, I'm like, is it because of like social media and everyone's social media is just like curated to them? So everyone's just reading how great they are all the time from their fans. And like, that's great. I think that's another big problem in the business. I think people, you know, the people start blocking everyone that says everything bad to them. And the next thing you know, their timeline is just like, 
all praise and it's it messes up your self you know impression like, i don't know i don't block anyone i like people <laughs> telling me i the fuck off i think it's do we whatever. sound it's do we sound day. so disgruntled right now oh my gosh i just i'm a realist <laughs> that like you know i pretend fight in spandex with my friends for money and i don't need to take it that seriously i take it seriously but I don't need to take it that seriously, if you know what I mean. Of course, of course. Um, okay, so the losing streak um, gimmick, How? what was like the pitch for that? There was no pitch. <laughs> <laughs> you just kept the train going. I mean, man, they, they brought me back in 2016. I'll never forget, Road Dog called me and was like, I, want, I personally want you on the SmackDown roster. And then he had big plans for me. And then it just like absolutely never happened for whatever reason. I still don't know to this day. Uh, I think I beat Apollo Crews once. And then I just never won again. I had been in WWE already, so like I knew how the place worked, and I was just, you know, I go out there and do the do whatever's asked of me to the best of my abilities. That's just always, like I said, it's not real. I don't take it personally that I'm putting someone over or whatever. Would I like to win? Of course, we all would, but I'm just going to do my job to the best of my ability. So one day, I want to say I was on the road, and I kept getting tweeted this like article with fans like commenting, and I'm like, what? And it was some dirt sheet road article that I had lost 100 matches in a row. But like instead of like being all sad about it, I'm like, well, that's definitely true. And then uh, I was pitching to the writers, like, this losing streak, yada, 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 like, whoever would listen would listen, think it's cool, whatever. And I'd probably surprised if somebody was, not many people in wrestling, you know, willingly want to lose all the time. But I, I had the foresight to see that maybe there was something there. And then I'll never forget, one day at Barclays, this writer comes out of the writer room, and he goes, today's your day, Hawkins, you're going to beat Heath Slater on main event. And I'm like, yo, people aren't even going to remember that by the time they leave this building, much less, like, I'd, I said, I'd rather, like, just keep this losing streak thing going and see where it goes. It was Vince who said in the meeting, like, let's give Hawkins one in his hometown. I said, if I just ask you this, is Vince the only one, you know, part of this creative team that doesn't know about the street? And they were like, that's probably a safe bet. I was like, can we at least, like, tell him and see if he cares? And then once it was in his brain, then that was it. Then it was never discussed again. It was just a thing. I showed him the T-shirt that was, like, a good seller. He loved that. At one point in Raw, there was a countdown clock thing that me and Vince came up with, (laughs) you know, so... Would we all love to be Roman Reigns? Yes. But there's only so many spots like that on the show. You know, you know we're not all Zach Morris. Sometimes we got to be hanging out at the, uh, the, the cafe in the background. And that's fine. I'm still part of the team and I'm still part of the show. And I was, I, did, I never made more money, had more fun. It was incredible, actually. They, and then the crowd organically turned me babyface, which is something I never even thought was possible. But people started <laughs> to feel bad for me. You know, there was real sympathy. Yeah. And they, we'd be at these live events in Bumblefuck and people would be going nuts cheering for me because they wanted to just, to be a part of it and be like, hey, I was there when he won. You know, it was pretty amazing. It's cool when something organic like that can just happen and you get behind it and you make something of it, you know? To be fair, did I think it was going to go 269? <laughs> no. No. But it's actually you, pretty impressive. That's not going to hang yeah, your hat yeah. on. Yeah, it's I know, a lot. I know. <laughs> did I think it was going to go 269 losses? No, but it was all worth it. And I used to never envision like people just be like, how do you want this to end? And I was like, I don't want to think about that. Because it's so much easier for me to come into work and be like, what's your finish? I'll take it to the best I can. (laughs) And there's like almost no politics in wrestling for me. It was like really great time. And if I just kept daydreaming about winning and how it would end, it wouldn't be as fun. And then without me doing that, and I don't know how this happened, but it ended in the best way imaginable. Like I could have never written that up. Like, oh, no, win the tag team titles with your best friend in your hometown building like at WrestleMania. Talk to me about like that moment um, for you and Matt to be able to have that moment against FTR revival at the time um, to be able to have that moment. I mean, what a that's like the the career, not a career defining moment, but everybody wants their mania moment. And sounds like you had like a pretty perfect one. 
Yeah, I mean, like I said, it's like a storybook thing that I couldn't have written if you asked me to write down like how to do it, right? It just kind of fell into our lap. And to be honest, I think it's two things. I think FTR asked to defend the tag titles. I think they that was important to them to as the tag team champions to represent them on the show. And then at the same time, Matt and I had an idea about like incorporating the losing streak stuff into the Andre Battle Royal, which we just completely assumed we were in, right? <laughs> you know, like we just assumed. We had no idea there were that year there was like some SNL involvement and we had no clue. So we had planned to see Vince. Someone smartened us up to the SNL thing. So now like our wind is like out of our sails that we know like what we want to do is not going to work because it's, it's just not what the match is focused on. So we waited, talked to Vince. This is like the TV before the go home TV. So we're talking like, you know, less than two weeks out from WrestleMania. And we gave a very, uh, well, hold on. There's one more piece of the story. Before we go in. There was this really weird thing where Corano was asking people what they're wearing at Mania, and we had to submit them, and I was super pumped about my gear because it was Jets-themed stuff in the New York Jets building. I'll never forget, Broski goes, man, you shouldn't have sent him that. I'm like, why? He goes, nothing, nothing good's going to come down. I'm like, I go, dude, there's no way anyone in this company cares what Kurt Hawkins is wearing at WrestleMania. That's the least of anyone's worries. And that day, we're talking to Vince. We came in, and Corano goes, oh, Vince said you can't wear that. I'm thinking, I'm just, to this day, I'm speechless going like, why would he care what I'm wearing? <laughs> so now we're going to see Vince. Our pitch is dead. But I'm like, I don't even care about this pitch. I got to ask him like about my gear because no one's making Kurt Hawkins' new gear less than two weeks before Mania. I already paid for that. Like, this is a one-time wear for the building that we're in. Like, who gives a shit? So Broski takes the lead on the pitch, and it's very half-winded, and we know this is, like, pointless. And he literally said, oh, you know, great, you know, but we already have something in mind for that. And I said, Vince, one more thing. Uh, I heard you don't, like, my gear or whatever and then he's like yeah yeah and i was like do you know the significance of it he goes let me guess the new york jets and i'm for, i'm shocked that he like even made that correlation and i go yeah and then i just like i don't know if it like fired me up that we were like getting this back and forth and then i was like yeah you know wwe's biggest underdog and nfl's biggest underdog and this you know in their building you know blah, blah blah and i like gave him a very compassionate plea as to why i should wear their stuff and he was like oh god damn it Hawkins, just wear it and he smacked me in the back and i like i went yeah I, like fired up and we had this like broski's just watching this whole thing just like what the fuck is going on and like we left we left oh feeling I left feeling great that I won that talk, but unbeknownst to me, I think that just got his wheels spinning about this match that we were never gonna have you know, that he just made I think that plea got his wheels spinning and he changed everything to make the match with less than, you know, ten days to go or whatever it was. Okay, so then talk to me about like afterwards, because I know you guys what you defended them against uh FTR twice, and then were you just like not on TV for a chunk of time after that? Uh so then the Paul Heyman regime came in, oh, and I do not it, it. think he was a fan of Hawkins and Ryder. Yeah, <laughs> he so. was not on board. He did not see us as uh, guys he wanted to, to showcase, I guess is the nice way of putting it. <laughs> um, tag team wrestling. You mentioned earlier how you know people usually get in the business and they just think about their singles careers. They're not thinking tag team wrestling. Do you think that that has been another thing that has changed over the course of the last 10, 15 years or so of seeing more people kind of coming in, guys like FTR, like the Young Bucks, like the Usos, um, you know, you can kind of rattle off a couple different teams, New Day, yeah. um, guys that have really come in and wanting to to make something more of what the tag division really is. What's what's kind of your take on that? I, I think it can go even further, you know, especially with the, like you said, that the unbelievable talent that's out there. You know what I mean? I think there's for sure spots for them to main event shows and be showcased even more like to make it a prestigious thing, you know? 
Not the old school way, oh, two top guys can smash any tag team no matter what. I always hated that philosophy, you know. I think there's there's definitely room to even bring it up even a higher level. And those guys have, but they, I think it, you know. To me, like a Young Bucks-Usos dream match is like, that might be my, my number one dream match. I can't think of a singles that I want to see more than that. Like, even after coming off of, like, this weekend, having, um, you know, the Ring of Honor pay-per-view to, to having NXT as well, seeing both of those shows, and I didn't get to, like, fully watch the NXT show, but seeing like New Day regaining or not regaining, gaining the the NXT tag titles to FTR and the Briscoes. Like, I feel like that was one of like the big buzzy takeaways from like both shows was just like the the tag division. Um, what are you seeing in Create a Pro of of more like tag teams or some like themes and stuff that you're starting to see in uh, what people are bringing to the table? Guys like the Young Bucks and FTR, they've changed the game where you can maybe aspire to that more, you know, like, you don't yeah. have to be so selfish. You can see the the big picture of being, you know, yeah. and I think they've, especially FTR has gelled together old school tag team wrestling and modern day tag wrestling where it's, you know, it makes sense. And, um, it's very entertaining, you know, to watch and, you know, four guys is always going to be more exciting than two. <laughs> yeah. But that's up to you to make it creative and, you know, fun to watch for sure. Some other talent that you've had a bit of a heavy hand and working with alongside Pat Buck as well, who is, you know, of course, at AEW, but looking at the Statlanders, uh, Caster, MJF, even um, some of the talent that you've been able to see there and kind of help shape those minds and bodies. I really opened Creative Pro out of like uh, selfish reasons. You know, WWE, my first run, Tyler Rex and I were in a tag team. He quit. And then like five days later, I blew my knee out. And it was just like this string of bad luck. And then I never had like consistent travel again and it was driving me insane because I'm just so wrestling obsessed and so in love and like I didn't want to be called to TV and be like you have two segs against this person and be like not prepared so I was driving all over and going to these different rings and Pat had just opened a school in Jersey and he was like this is going really well I'll open another one in Long Island if you want and I was like yeah let's do it I always wanted to be a wrestling coach I just thought it was something I would do when I was like 55 (laughs) not 29 or whatever it was you know like it came from a very selfish place, but it was like, it was just a black, I guess that uh, it also helped in the sense that like, it wasn't this like carny cash grab for me and it's, it's maintained that. And that's also what's maintained its success. So like financially it's, it's never been this like, you know, a money tree for me, certainly not at all. You know, we have this giant building that the rent is, you know, astronomical, but when people come there, we just want you to be passionate and love the business and be good for the, the group. And the, and the vibe of everything. So if like you're a headache or something, we just politely ask you to, you can go to any wrestling school you want, pal. Like you don't have to be here. It's more important to us to have the, the environment and like the like-minded people that just, you know, love the business. And that's why all these students are, you know, they're seeing all the success, but they also, they don't leave. Like they still, MJF and Max, Max Kester still like will coach classes, you know what I mean? Cause he loves it so much and he wants, he wants to keep working hard and knows how important it is to be in the ring that much, you know? Who are some of the names like when you're bringing in like somebody's coming and they're signing up to to work with you and you're trying to figure out who they are as a wrestler and they're kind of rattling off some like people that they aspire to be. Who are those names now? I can imagine what they were, you know, however long ago. But who are people kind of using as examples right now? It's a mixed bag. Uh, I can't really nobody like really jumps out to me as the one that I get all the time. It's almost like the success of Creator Pro brings in the uh less qualified candidates should i say than because i feel like if you're like me you know 18 17 year old kid obsessed with wrestling and you're getting ready to graduate high school you know 
where my school is and where it is. It's the ones who are like, MJF train here? I got to go here. And then they don't, they don't have the right mindset at all. You know what I mean? Honestly, for every 20 people that sign up to that school, I have one that I think is going to stick around or understands what they're really getting into and that this is like a very difficult thing. And it's, it's, and it's not even comparable to anything else you'll ever do in your life. Like where you're, you're a stuntman that acts, that travels, that, you know, that pretend gets beat up, which is a tough, you know, selling is a really tough thing to, to grasp for people. You know, there's just so much to it that if your heart's not into it, it's just not going to work out. Chris Statlander walked in there. She never even watched wrestling and no clue about anything. So how did she start? I was just going to ask you about her because she's somebody that I find pretty fascinating. I don't know her very well, but, you know, I in the locker room with her, I pass her a, a ton during the day. But I feel like she has a pretty cool quality to her. And I, I feel like she brings a ton to the table. What's your experience with, with her? I always say she's my favorite student ever. I think she had just went to an independent with a friend by an accident and was like, this stuff's pretty cool. And she was already trained to be a stunt woman. So she had like similar, a similar kind of understanding of what we're doing. And then the more she was there, the more she fell in love with the business. And like, it was even a time when she like rolled her ankle pretty bad and she would still come and just sit there and like take notes and like really put the effort in. Oh, she was like that even being out with a knee injury, still just like hobbling around. She wants to be there, just kind of soak it all in. It says a lot about her. First one there, last one to leave kind of thing yeah. and like truly took advantage of it all. And, and like she's reaped the benefits of it from putting that hard work in. Yeah, definitely. Start the NFL week off right with a no sweat same game parlay every Thursday from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. It doesn't matter if you're new to FanDuel or you already have an account. Every Thursday night, you'll get free bets back if your NFL same game parlay doesn't hit. Same game parlays are the perfect way to combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payday. I'm talking game lines, totals, spreads, player props, touchdown scorers, so many to choose from. You can build your own or choose from one of the popular same game parlays pre-built in for you in FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. However you want to play, you can bet the NFL every Thursday night with a no-sweat same game parlay. Just sign up with the promo code Renee. And if you don't already have an account, that's promo code Renee, R-E-N-E-E, to get free bets back if your same game parlay doesn't hit. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Disclaimer, 21 in select states. First online, real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369 for New York. TN Redline, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. All right, let's talk the podcast. Um, when you guys first started doing the podcast, I don't think the podcasts were necessarily like exactly where they are now either. Um, and it's obvious. How many episodes in are you guys? Oh boy, we just celebrated our fourth year in August. Jeez. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Damn. 
how has it grown and changed? What are you guys getting from from the podcast? <laughs> like, what I mean, what is was, the deal? It, from what we originally thought it was to what it's become, it's a lot of work too. Oh, I mean, that insane. is a thing. Like oh, people sure. assume, like oh, just click play and listen to it. It's like oh my god, the work that goes into it. That's another thing. I'm not trying to like toot our own horn, but like we've never missed a deadline or a commitment or something that we you know we are saying we're going to provide on our Patreon and we take it very seriously. But there's also like there's this honesty and charm about the show that I think people really have fallen in love with. Or Matt and I, we like, you know, that that wrestling figure closet that we were in when we first started in the business because we were scared to death that Bob Holly was going to like, <laughs> you know, hang our bags in the rafters like that. That door couldn't be more open. Yeah. Like we we say some really, you know, what people may might think, you know, humiliating stories in there. But we just. We air it all out. You know, we always say full transparency. That's what we say in the show. Like we've <laughs> opened up to people more than just being pro wrestlers. Like, you know, so they, they root for us like on the television screen, but now they know us as people. And I think that's made a big difference. Uh, and we have like an unbelievable team, you know, smart Mark Sterling is our producer from day one. It was another creative pro guy. And that's how that started. We even have like, you know, a merch guy, you know, this guy, Michael Kinnick, who like does all that stuff. And we have our own toy line. That's crazy. How do I get one of these toys? Because I feel like I need a redo at my action figure. Your, your so action figure has the, uh, talk to me about it. The mom cut before you're a mom, mom. Before you're a mom. I, I know. I know. I got to bring that thing back. Okay. So with you being such an action figure aficionado, what makes an action figure great? Like I was, of course, thrilled that I even got an action figure. I never in my life would have imagined that that would even be a realm of possibility. But I'm not going to lie if I say that I got it and I looked at it and I was like, oh, fuck. I wish I wore something else. I wish it's it's a really a doozy. So what's like your expertise? The problem is it should have more talent involvement, but that the process is already so long that that would slow it down even more. That That's probably not a realistic thing. But the word we use is toyetic. Something should be toyetic where it, like you're walking down a toy aisle and it jumps off the shelves at you like that belongs in the action figure space. You know, that's something that any kid would want. So a beige skirt doesn't meet those requirements? Your figure not toyetic, but <laughs> I will say this, and Matt and I are big fans of that. Everyone should at least have one. You know what I yes. mean? Because some kid is deep in their fig fed and their imagination, and they need someone to do these backstage interviews. I mean, that's like, like if I was a kid, I'd be like super thrilled that you got one, you know? Granted, I think if it came down to me going, do I want Renee Young to do these interviews or do I want Mean Gene Okerlund to do these interviews? Well, that's a complete, I would get an Okerlund you, figure you've for sure. You've got to have like a, a throwback Fed and a modern day Fed. Okay. So, yeah. Oh. You know, yeah. <laughs> okay. And we we just did get the first Shivani ever last month, so that that was a big deal. Oh my God! What does that look like? What's he wearing? Is he in a suit? Uh, yeah, he's in a suit with khaki pants and a A dub jacket. <laughs> it's great. They come with the big like desk chair like I'm in now. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, see, mine didn't come with a chair. Shit. Well, I guess I didn't really need a chair, but... Honestly, since you've had one, figures have really even evolved since then. You know, you get multiple heads and hands and things. I remember I had, like, one of my figures came with the WWE Championship for some reason, which... That was a, ch- a chase. Oh. That's called a chase item. So not not everyone has that, but that's, like, a, a bonus thing you okay. would look for. Like, okay, okay. You know, incentive. A little incentive to pick it up. That is so funny. Um, okay, so how do you guys figure out who gets action figures in your line? Um, well, we have to be like uh, kind of spies with uh, <laughs> the rules of AEW talent uh-huh. and WWE Legends deals yes. and stuff. But we've we've found a way to navigate that pretty well with all our connections and sources. And then Series 3 of our major bendies just came out and we have Chelsea Green. Very, very easy connection there to get her. Uh, 
we've both wrestled and become friends with Effie over the past couple of years. So he's got his first, you know, action figure through our major Bendy's line. Colt Cabana, another guy that we've known for 15 plus years, we were able to get him in. And then the fourth one in that particular set is Gangrel, who's another guy. So he's like a legend. And what these particular figures, they're from like the 90s. So like he would have, would have, should have had one then. So he fits in like perfectly. So it's, it's like a nice fun blend. And Matt and I are both in our 19th year of pro wrestling. So like we've been around so damn long and we like almost know everybody like <laughs> you know we'll figure it out you know one way or the other you got that Danhausen one in there I see the Danhausen mask behind you right now we made the first Danhausen X we were the first ones to get it tomorrow that must have like cleaned up this fan base is unbelievable yeah for different people that have those like ravenous fan bases what do you think are like some of the ingredients that a wrestler needs in order to get a fan base like that I don't have the full you know, the blueprint to that. But what worked for me and made the big difference for Matt and I is the podcast and the and our honesty, I think. I think it's like people know far more about me than just being the losing streak guy now. And I think that's like made the big difference, you know? That's not something I had as a wrestling fan growing up. You know, I couldn't tweet <laughs> Ravishing Rick Rude and tell him that he sucks. You know, I think that's a big it's a big difference. You know, it's a different world we're living in, you know, and we're all we're all accessible in one way or another. Except Mox. He knows how to just go off the grid somehow. I'm so jealous of him sometimes. I'm like, how do you just like not participate? And like, he just doesn't have the headache of worrying about what anyone's saying to him. Like, it's great. I was shocked that he did that con this weekend because a lot of fans in our Patreon group, we interact with all our fans in this Facebook exclusive group and people had went and got his action figure signed and were like, oh, wow. Yeah, no, I know. He picks and chooses his moments. That's for sure. But I Lucky for him. I know it's so funny because he always makes fun of me. If I'm like, oh, this person was mean to me on the internet. He's like, why are you letting some like, that's like giving a bunch of strangers your phone number. I'm like, I mean, yes and no. But anyways, Um, okay, completely switching gears. Impact. Why has Impact been such a great place for you to land? Um, And yeah, I mean, just what's it like working at Impact? You guys have a great roster over there. You guys have like, it's, it's awesome. One word, opportunity. Because what is my talent without opportunity? And Impact gives me loads of it. I got fired. I would say within three, four days, Tommy Dreamer called me and gave me the the hard pitch on Impact. And I knew Gals and Anderson were already going, and they're two of my best friends. So I was like, huh. And uh, that just got the ball rolling, and it was just such a great decision. I get to talk, and like I'm sure there's people that watch my WWE career, and they're not even sure if I, like, I'm comfortable with a microphone. But if you watch my Impact career, you'd be like, holy shit. So much fun to just be involved in storylines and talk. And, you know, uh, I can't say enough about Jimmy Jacobs and Robert Evans, who I'm sure you know. Oh, yeah. I love those dudes. They really care about the product and they never don't have an answer for you. You know, you'd be filming something like, what is this? What's my, you know, what's going on here? And they they just know and they care and everything kind of has a beginning and an end and a purpose. And it's just been so fun. And, and like you said, to start, the roster's so talented. Like, there's some just awesome people there. You know, Eddie Edwards, who I've loved forever, you know. It's just a really, really fun place to work. Jimmy Jacobs and that sarong. He's still rocking that thing hard or what? He's usually dressed like half like a Star Wars person when I see him. But it's like, (laughs) I don't even like, it's so expected. I don't even like, you know, I don't even acknowledge that he's like wearing Obi-Wan Kenobi clothes to work. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The best. So funny. Uh, What what does the holidays look like for you? Do you get a little break? You going to pump the brakes for a little minute? I tried, but then like the carniness of me kicked in. A promoter mm. offered me a booking on the 
30th, but I'll get a free flight now to go to Broski's uh, <laughs> New Year's Eve party in, in Orlando. Yeah, Is my, he taking over the New Year's party from Miz or what? I don't know. He's just, uh, that's the plan this year. So, um, well, actually here, full disclosure, I'm in my parents' basement right now, my childhood home, because my house is getting a renovation. So me, my wife, and my two girls live with my parents for the past month and probably the next several months while my house gets redone. But it's been fun and it's been it's been cool to I, I love seeing my parents as grandparents and see them interact with my kids and they it's it's it really is a nice thing. And I think when it's all said and done, hopefully I have the house of my dreams to go back to, but I'll I'll look back on this, you know, very fondly. I'm sure it's beautiful and lovely. Um, we're also about to embark on the home renovations. January 23rd, we're, we're starting it. What all are you guys doing? What can I be prepared for? Because I'm a little stressed out about this. There is no preparation. You just have to like realize that things are going to be a pain in the ass. And that's just... What all are you guys doing? Uh, we're like, uh, made a massive dormer over my back deck and blowing out the kitchen to double the size. And we'll have this, this huge family room and stuff. Cause we, we just love our town and our house. We just need it to be like a little bit bigger for us, you know, to make it like a forever home. So the real problem with us personally, we live in a flood zone in Long Island. We're like right on the water and very close to the water. So like the permits and stuff were like, it was a year and a half headache, nightmare thing just to even get the okay to start. So we're just thrilled to just even be going. You know, is it costing you an absolute arm and a leg? A fortune, yes, a fortune. Yeah. <laughs> I died. We're doing our kitchen and we're doing our third floor bathroom, which is just behind me where we're recording right now. And um, yeah, I was floored. Another big motivation was getting a, another bathroom upstairs because I was just like, I can't be an old man sharing a bathroom with two teenage girls. I'll like, <laughs> yeah. Not good. We do create a little space here. Everyone just back up for one quick second. Um, I'm very excited to do this. But yeah, I feel like going into it, it's always longer than you think it's going to be. It's more expensive than you think it's going to be. And it's like... I mean, really the toughest thing for us is my parents' home is 25 minutes away from where the kids still go to school. So every morning someone's taking them, driving all the way there. And then the one gets out at noon. So like you have to like hang out in our hometown and like find errands or things to do. Or like I have my gym garage at the house is still active like I'll go there and like work out like that's the toughest part and then someone has to drive back you know at three o'clock to get the five-year-old at her at kindergarten and stuff yeah so the commute's tough oh my gosh the things that we do the things that we do uh well Brian thank you so much for joining me on the pod from your parents house tell everybody I said hello the uh the renovations are gonna go swimming I I live in my sister's basement I keep doing the wedding singer thing when I'm down here It's great though. It's I mean, shit. I, I well, not that I would want to go live back with my mom, but you do reap some rewards. Dinner's cooked. My mom stayed with me right before I had Nora, and she was like making my bed, folding down the sheets and shit. I was like, what is this treatment? Oh my god. Oh, between my wife and my my mom, like I take off a shirt and it's like it's caught before it touches the ground and it's washed and folded. Uh, and, uh, blessings to the women in our lives, just getting shit done. Totally. All right. Well, I will. Uh, hopefully, I'll see you soon down the road. It's been a while, so hope hopefully sooner than later. Hell yeah, I love that. How do we not talk about swoggle? But it's okay. <laughs> it's too much stuff. <laughs> A big thank you to Brian Myers for hanging out with me on this episode. Um, you guys, of course, can check out all things uh, Impact that he's a part of right now. Keep uh, keep an eye on all the things he's doing. Um, Creative Pro Wrestling, as we said. All of that jazz. And, of course, his, his podcast. 
get in on all of that. Like, subscribe to all of the above and below and in and around. Um, thank you for listening to this episode of The Sessions. Plenty more coming up. I know the holidays are just around the corner. We've got some really great best ofs coming up. Um, Emilio is, is hacking those guys up and putting together some really great episodes for you guys. So I'm super, super pumped to hear those. We've had such amazing interviews this past year of 2022. Um, it's really fun to just kind of like reflect on all the work that we've done and all the great conversations that we've been able to have. So we're going to be highlighting some of those over the next uh, couple episodes while we get in some good holiday time. Jingle bells. All right, guys, thank you for hanging out. This has been The Sessions. The Sessions.